Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you once again this morning. Yes, Lord, where two or three are gathered in your name, your word says that you are there in our midst. And therefore, this morning, even as we are here, Lord, in the last days of the of the seventh month, 30, 30th and 31st, Lord, two more days to go. And Lord, we come to you. Lord, we ask of you, Lord, that you would speak to us. Yes, Lord, that you would continually cleanse us, that you will continually wash us by the water of your word, sanctify us and set us apart. More and more, even more, even as we listen to your word. A little more so that, Lord, we will understand your ways, know your paths. And, Lord, that we will walk in your ways and fulfill the purpose for which you have called us, O Lord Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. We praise you. We worship you. We commit this entire time into your hands. Be with us through this day. Watch over us, O Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Speak to our hearts. Anoint us afresh. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. All right, let's look at <clears throat> Exodus chapter 19, verse 3. Moses went up to God, and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and I, how I bore you on eagle's wings, and brought you to myself. So, fundamentally, Salvation is all about coming to God. Okay. So that He might bring us to God. One first Peter chapter three verse eighteen will say, Jesus suffered once for sins for our sins, so that He might bring us to God. The ultimate reason for salvation is that we should be brought closer to God, near to God. Brought you to Himself, right? Uh, that's the reason why um he who is joined to the Lord, it says, is one spirit with him. We are joined to God. So many people were saved, but when they when it had when it had to come to make a important choice to be joined to the Lord, only one tribe came forward. What was it? Who which was the tribe? Levite. They were the ones. Literally, the word Levite means the one who is joined. That's what. Uh, um, uh, Rachel, when she, I'm sorry, Leah, when she had uh, Levi, she named him Levi, hoping that her husband will be joined to him. Uh, but thank God she helped. Uh, I mean, she named him Levi, so that one day Levi will be joined to God. Keep that in mind. Just keep that in mind. Levi is the one who's who's Levi is a is a person who's joined to God. Then, was was five onwards. It says now, therefore. If you will indeed obey my voice. I like the word indeed. Okay. Obeying voice has also what? What does it have? It has deeds. Yes. <laughs> when you have obedience, there are works that accompany obedience. Okay. That is the reason why um, it says about Abraham. Abraham obeyed my voice kept my commandments and all my statutes. When Abraham offered up Isaac on the altar and when he was about to sacrifice him, he heard a voice saying, telling him, um, stop and says, the angel of the Lord says, now I know that you fear me because you have obeyed my voice. You see, there is a deed that is, that is always attached to obeying, obedience. Okay. So he's not asking many things. He says, obey my voice. Keep my covenant. Two things. 
These are the conditions. Obey my voice. Keep my covenant. Then you will be whatever. So the benefits of our, our relationship, whatever the relationship that we, uh, that we, uh, that, that God calls us, calls us to be into, I mean, He calls us into a covenant relationship with Him. The blessings of the covenant will only become a reality in our lives when we fulfill the conditions. And what are the conditions? Obey His voice and keep His covenant. Then you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. So, what do kingdom of priests and a holy nations do? Yeah, thank you. They obey the voice and keep his covenant. So, so clear, isn't it? No, not, that's nothing oh, uh, so, um, difficult to understand over here. So, if you are a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, if you are God's own precious, special treasure, what will you do? You will obey his voice and you will keep his covenant. And what does God call us in the new covenant? He calls us a royal priesthood. Notice a very important truth over here. It's the same thing. If 1 Peter chapter 2, well, I will come, down, come, back to, come back to that. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9. But you are a chosen generation and a royal priesthood. Okay. What kind of priesthood? Royal priesthood. A kingdom of priests, in other words. A holy nation. His own special people. And what does a kingdom of priests supposed to do? You should proclaim the excellencies, other translations will use the word, I like, I like the word, the excellencies of him who brought you out of darkness into his marvelous light. It's remarkable. In other words, a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, they have a revelation of who God is. That is the reason why it says in Hebrew, uh, Hosea chapter 4 verse 6, he says, my people perish because of lack of knowledge and because you have rejected Knowledge, you will cease from being what? Priests. Okay. So the ultimate thing is, uh, the priest was supposed to do, the, uh, the, to, to, to give the knowledge of God, teach the precepts and the ordinances of God, and have to teach the people the difference between the holy and the profane and the clean and the unclean. That was the, that was the, uh, the, 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 the office of the priest. So if, in order for them to, uh, function in that office, they had to know the knowledge of God. They had to have a revelation of who God is. And the entire process of that, of knowing God was open to all, by the way. And only one tribe chose to, uh, to, to meet the conditions, if you will. That you may proclaim the praises of Him or the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light. It's, it's, it's remarkable, isn't it? Um, I, 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 I like what Derek said. Um, how can you the human, he was asking the students in the class, how can you take away darkness? Can we get a broom and sweep the darkness out? No. Can we open the windows and doors so that, so that the atmosphere will come in and it will uh, take the darkness out? No. Okay. Can we shout and take ask the darkness to go? No. There's only one way for the darkness to go is to switch on the light, turn on the light. Enlighten. So once you have that, so that's exactly what he's saying. He called you out of his darkness and into his marvelous light. It's remarkable, isn't it? That's the call. <clears throat> and who were once not a people, isn't it? Interesting. In other words, if you are not a child of God, you're not even reckoned as a people of God. As a pe- I mean, God, God says, okay, this is my people. 
not my people. That's it. Those are only two clarif- uh, cl- classic, uh, cl- classify classifications in the entire world. People of God, not people of God. Saved, unsaved. People who have uh, died to themselves and picked up the cross and follow God, people are not. There are only two clear. I mean, there's, there's absolutely darkness and light. There's no gray area. Absolutely, right? Isn't it? So who once were not people, but now are God's people who were, who did not obtain mercy. In other words, isn't it interesting? Those people who have been saved are the people who have obtained mercy. Okay. And whose prerogative is that? God's prerogative. I'll give you an example. We'll be going to church tomorrow. Hmm? Jeevan Jyoti, we have to go. And there's an intersection called Paradise Intersection. Hmm? In that near that Paradise inter- Intersection, you'll find a lot of beggars coming. They'll ask you for arms. So one person comes and you give him some money and you, after that you run, run out of change. So the next, next beggar comes, let's say. And he says, Sir, give me. And he says, I'm sorry, I can't. I'm, Babu. You don't remember? That's what he said. Will he stand before you and say, this is unfair? Okay. Why did you give it that person? Why did you not give it to me? Will you do, do a dharna over there? No. Beggars have no. That's what we say, we have say in English. Beggars are no. Choosers. You can't choose. <laughs> you are completely dependent upon the mercy of God. I mean, mercy of the person. And he shows mercy to whom he wants to show mercy. And he will withhold mercy from whom he wants to withhold mercy. That's your prerogative. Think about it, no? Sometimes, you know, there'll be an old person, you give money. And there'll be another fellow who's carrying the other guy on his shoulders and asking uh, asking you for money. Then you don't give him money. It's, it's your prerogative. It's it's ultimately your will. <laughs> now, you being a fallible human being who's like the grass of the field and today it's uh, there and tomorrow it's gone, you say that I, can, I, have, I have the right to choose to show mercy to whom I want to show mercy. <laughs> How much more God? That is the reason why he says in Romans chapter 9, I show mercy to whom I show mercy and I will harden and therefore, it is not the one to, to who wills, but the one who obtains mercy. So once you do not obtain mercy, so what should you do? Thank you, Lord. That's the, that's our attitude, okay? So once you did not obtain mercy, and what is the function that God has given you? He has given you a function of priesthood. Understand this. Now, how did it, how did this happen? It happened through new birth, okay? Uh, blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again. So what kind of a priesthood is, uh, kingdom is, uh, it is? It is a kingdom of priests, a society of physicists. Meaning what? Only physicists can be a part of that society. Hmm? Understand? A society of trekkers means only trekkers can be a part of that society. Everybody has a society nowadays. No? A society of doctors means only doctors can be a part of the society. Kingdom of priests means what? Only priests can be a part of the kingdom. Understand that? So unless you are what? Born from above, you cannot see. Unless you are born of the water and of the word, you cannot enter. And the moment you enter into the kingdom of God, what have you become? A priest. That's the point. Very clear. Okay. So you are a kingdom of priests means it's a... The entire uh, uh, kingdom of God is full of priests. So don't worry about an office. I'm not an apostle, prophet, teacher, etc. But understand, the highest, 
highest highest office god can ever give you is the office of the priest because he is the apostle and the high priest of our confession understand this okay and he says he is the he is the priest of the order of melchizedek and of this person have much things to say but you are hard to hard to you, you cannot listen he says you will you're not going there you know not today this morning okay who are who are kept by the soap so begotten us again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead into an inheritance which is incorruptible etc so this is this is actually uh, 1 Peter chapter 1 not 1 Peter chapter 2 this is 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3 and then <clears throat> uh, 1 Peter uh, abundant mercy has begotten us again into a living hope understand this okay again Revelation chapter 1 let's see Revelation chapter 1 verses the last part of verse 5 and verse 6 to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Okay. And has made us kings and priests to God, is to his God and Father. Now look at this. What is the basis upon which we have become priests? The foundation is the cross. Understand this. Okay. If it were not for the cross, let me, this is, this is remarkable. There is no blessing in our lives apart from the cross. This cross is the foundation of all the blessings that we enjoy as Christians, as believers. He was punished so that I will be forgiven. He was wounded so that I will be healed. He was made sin so that I will be made righteous. He tasted death so that I will be so I will enjoy eternal life, etc. You remember that 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 placard that that we had, uh, so that uh, that uh, bookmark that we had. So it's nine things. It's the basis. Cross is the basis of our of our of our, of our I mean, as, as Christians, it is a basis of our life upon which all our blessings are are based upon. So washed from us from his from his own blood. And what did he, what did he make us? He made us kings and priests. Actually, other translations will use the word kingdom of priests. To his God and Father. Again, First Peter chapter two verse four. So, what do priests do? What are the priests supposed to do? Offer sacrifices. So, what kind of sacrifices? Old covenant they had sacrifices that they offer, but in the new covenant, very specifically, what kind of sacrifices that we are supposed to offer is very is clearly given. First Peter chapter two and verse four onwards. Coming to him as a what stone? A living stone. Rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God. Now this is very interesting. The word for stone means weight. Weight means, you know what? Just weight. Okay. Okay. A just weight is God's delight. A false balance is an abomination to the Lord. All our righteousnesses are Filthy rags, right? So, God's weight. Chosen by God, rejected by men. So, what do, what do men do? They reject the standards of God. And who is the standard of God? Jesus is the standard of God. Understand that. Chosen by God and not only chosen, He's also precious. That means He's the, He's the most valuable. Precious means the word precious, very, very powerful meaning. It is no, it is the most valuable thing in the entire universe. What is it? His son. So when God had to save us, whom did he give? His most precious. 
Verse 5. You also, as what stones now? Living stones. Just like him. He was also a living stone. Now you also are not uh, dead stones, but living stones. Remarkable. There's a very interesting uh, verse in Ecclesiastes chapter 10, if you can please turn there. Ecclesiastes chapter 10. If you can go to Ecclesiastes chapter 10 um, and verse number... Very, very, very powerful verse. Uh, it talks about stones. Is there is there a verse on the stone? Uh, where he talks about stones which make no noise. Is it nine or ten? Nine, ten? Nine, oh yeah, chapter nine. Chapter 10 verse 9, okay. Chapter 10 verse 9. Yes, yes, yes. You put it in the NIV, it's great. Okay. <clears throat> what does it say? If you can read it. It's not there? Okay, okay. No, don't worry, don't worry. It talks about, we'll, we'll, we'll look at it later. Okay, we'll, we'll talk about, uh, we are not, this is not the, this is not the crux of today's message. We are talking about priests, okay? You also as what stones, living stones, are, what are, be, what are, what is happening to you? Are being built up into a what house? Spiritual house. And what, that spiritual house, what is it, what is it actually? A holy priesthood to offer up what? Spiritual sacrifices. Do you see that now? Let us, let us, let us look at that again. Coming to him as a living stone, rejected by men, chosen by God. Okay. You also, as what? Living stones. You are being built up. To be what? To be a Spiritual house. A holy priesthood. And what should the priesthood do? Offer up spiritual sacrifices. And how are these sacrifices? Offered acceptable to God only through Jesus Christ. Do you see that everything? All the things are very very clear over here. So ultimately what are the priests supposed to do? They are off, supposed to offer spiritual sacrifices. And how do they offer spiritual sacrifices? By being built up into a spiritual house. And how are they being built up into a spiritual house? By coming to him as living stones. You see that? And then when you offer up spiritual sacrifice, how are you offering these spiritual sacrifices? Through Jesus Christ and these spirituals, only these spiritual sacrifices are acceptable to God. So, I'm going to look at today, this morning, five spiritual sacrifices, or five to six spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God. Five to six spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God. What is, what are, what is the sacrifice that God accepts and what, what does God deem as spiritual? Let us read from Psalm 51 and verses 16 to 17. <clears throat> For you do not desire sacrifice or else I would give it to you. You do not delight in burnt offering and then very clear. The sacrifices of God are a what? Are a broken spirit a broken and a contrite heart, these, O oh God, 
you will not despise. So what is a sacrifice? It's a sacrifice of repentance. What is it? It's a sacrifice. Repentance is a sacrifice. Why is it a sacrifice? Repentance actually means reconciling yourself to God. You are a rebel going your own way. Now what are you doing? You're, you're turning back to God. You're, dis, you're saying my way is wrong. You're turning back to God and saying, Lord, I come, my, come to you and I want to surrender my, my, myself to you. This is basically a rebel being reconciled to God. That is repentance. And what is it? The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and a contrite heart. You will not despise. What is this? What is the sacrifice? The sacrifice of brokenness and repentance. Okay. This is what God desires. He loves it. Okay. This is, this is a sacrifice that God accepts. And how can you offer this? Only through Jesus Christ. Look at, let us look at an example from Luke's Gospel chapter 18 about a broken and a contrite heart. We know this parable very well, but let us look at it in a little more detail today, this morning. Luke's Gospel chapter 18. Hmm. I like this. Yeah. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 9 says, Whoever quarry stones may be injured by them. Because you are living stones. What, what does the quarry do? He cuts the stones, but what do the stones do? Injure the, the person who is quarrying them. Okay. We'll, we'll talk that, talk about that later. Okay. <laughs> the very interesting problem. Okay. Luke's gospel chapter 18 and we are talking about, um, the sacrifices that God accepts, which is brokenness and contrition. Let us see. Luke's gospel chapter 18. How does it look like? Hmm? Luke's gospel chapter 18 and verse 9. Also, he spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised the others. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other tax collector. Okay. Now, what is prayer? Okay. 141 verse 2. Psalm. When I say 141, there's only Psalms, which is 141 chapters. Okay. I don't have to say Psalm. Okay. Psalm 141 verse 2. Let my prayer be said before you as incense and lifting up my, of my hands as what? As an evening sacrifice. So what is prayer? Prayer is a sacrifice. I mean, genuine prayer is sacrifice. Praying in secret is a sacrifice. Fasting in secret is a sacrifice. Giving in secret is a sacrifice. Okay, praying is sacrifice. Alright. So, two men went to the temple to pray. One a tax collector and the other is a Pharisee. Now look at this. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself. I like that. No? <laughs> Interestingly, when Pharisee is praying, where is it going? To himself. He's thanking God. But praying to himself. That's, that's remarkable. Hmm? God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. Look at this. There are five attributes of this Pharisee's prayer. Total focus on self and total trust in self. This is absolute, I mean, the, see the, 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 sim, uh, what, do you, what do you say? The symptom of self-righteousness. Even in your righteousness, where, where is the focus? Self. And what did he do? Where, to whom did he pray? He prayed within himself using God's name. I thank God. And I'm not like others. The problem is, okay, fine, you can go to, uh, go and uh, you can trust yourself, you can call yourself righteous, etc., etc., etc. The problem is, you what? Despise others. That's the problem. The problem is when you look down upon others, 
and you think that you are better than them. That is the danger. The danger of self-righteousness is always that. I, I mean, for example, and God does not accept self-righteous people. We'll come to that later on. He despised us. And then second thing, the fourth thing is that his standards were made to suit himself. I can give this much. I can do this much. I, I don't do this. I don't do this. I don't do this. He's got his own tailor-made set of rules and regulations which which he will change con- con- dynamically depending upon the conditions. <laughs> okay. His standards were made to what? Suit himself. And what is this? This is his own list. Who, what, what list? His, meaning his standards are what? This is what I do. My standards. Absolutely compare. And this is what I'm, this is what I was telling the Telugu church the other time, no? The other day I was saying, what does it mean to have a right, right standing before God? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The word for glory means weight. How, whose weight? The glory of God means the weight of God. Okay. So generally what happens is that, let's say if you go to the market and you ask for, let's say, one kg of whatever, they put one kg weight and then they put one kg whatever stuff and keep on increasing to ensure that it balance, it balances. Similarly, if you want to have a righteous stand, standing before God, what, what, what will God do? On one side, he will put who? Jesus. <laughs> On the other side, he will put you. <laughs> comparison is there? No comparison. So if I, to, if I have to balance the equation, what should you do? If this side is Jesus, and I'm, I'm on this side, I'm, I, I'm there. If I have to balance the equation, what should I do? Both sides, Jesus has to be there. Right? <laughs> so you know what? Then it is called as, you are righteous before God. But you know what we do? We take Jesus out. <laughs> and then, then we will put, uh, let's say, I mean, John Manohar might put Vijay. Uh, I'm better than pastor in so many areas. So what is happening? In, this is what this is what we do. That's what, that's the reason why Paul says those who compare themselves with themselves are what are what are they? They are not wise. They are actually fools. And that is the reason why God tells the Pharisees, Jesus tells the Pharisees, how can you believe those who desire honor from? one another and never desire the honor that comes from what? The God, God alone. That's the, that's the ultimate standard. Okay, That's the ultimate standard. The ultimate standard is Jesus. Therefore, it says, if any man is where? In Christ, he is a new creation. It is only in Christ Jesus that you are righteous. Okay. That is the reason why he says, I don't see any iniquity in who? How can you see not no iniquity in Jacob? The crook of the first order? <clears throat> I mean, Jacob itself means crooked. The supplanter. Amazing. How can, by the way, the word for Rebecca means charm, okay? Charm or snare. Who taught Rebecca, uh, Jacob to lie, or rather, who actually reinforced the lifestyle of Jacob and took, uh, and make, made him Jacob? Rebecca, the teaching of Rebecca. You see, you, how can God see no iniquity in Jacob? Simply because he does not see Jacob, he sees himself. He sees Jacob in him. Okay. So you make standards to suit yourself. God hates, that's the reason why he says false balances are an 
abomination to God. Your righteousnesses are like what? Fill the rags before me. Righteousnesses. I like that. KJV uses a very, very interesting word. 64.6. So Isaiah, your righteousnesses, whatever kind of standards that you, that you, that you, uh, that you boast of, they are absolutely fill the rags before me. And it is your own list. Where do you get this list from? You made it. You chose, pick and chose from the Bible. You subtracted this. You're like, you know, <laughs> you're like that, uh, the, 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 the king, uh, during Jeremiah's days. What did he do? Started cutting off. In fact, he tore off the whole thing and put it in the fire. You made this own list. And a, and a very, a very important observation. I don't do this. I do this. What, the number of don'ts are more. The number of do's are very, very little. What are the do's? I fast. I give. Fasting anybody can do. It's good for you. Your tithes anybody can give. Good for you. I mean, you are just putting chanda in God's offer, God's offering back. Your list of do nots are more. And the problem is, Pharisee, all his life, he will compare himself with others. This is what I don't do. 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 This is what I do. All his life, the same standards. There is no room for growth at all. What is he? Static. He is one statue. We all, <laughs> we all like, uh, see, Indira Gandhi statues there, no? What will you do? One day you'll just see, one day you'll see that Indira Gandhi statue. Can she, can she do anything to you? One statue? All that she did was only valid when she was alive. Now she's got only one statue there. Monument. What is he? Statue. <laughs> That's what he, Pharisee comes to his church and he says, statue. That's it. Nobody move. They're all static. See, and look, look at this, no? Look at his prayer. His prayer is, Lord, I'm so good, bless me. And when the son of man came, look at his prayer. Look at what he says about Hebrews chapter 5. The holy, righteous, sinless, spotless, the man who never sinned, who always was humble, who was always obedient, who never disobeyed the, uh, disobeyed the father or the, or the kind of, or the authority that the father chose for him. This man's prayer. Look at his prayer. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 6. And as he also says in another place, you are the priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. What kind of a priest was he? Of the order of Melchizedek and a Priesthood forever. Okay. Who in the days of his flesh, when he, what did he do? So what do, what do priests do? They offer sacrifices. And what is a prayer, what is a sacrifice that is offering? He is offering up prayers. And what kind of a prayer was this? With, when he offered us a prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who is able to save him from death. Look at this man. This is Jesus, who emptied himself of all his glory, of all his strength, and completely is dependent upon God to live a godly life. And he says, Lord, 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 if you do not help me, if you do not, if you do not, if you do not uh, strengthen me, if you do not fill me with your Holy Spirit, it is impossible for me to live up to the standards that you want me to live up to. And my only desire is to fulfill your will in the volume of the book that is written of me and I cannot do it in my own strength. I need your power. I need your grace. I need your power. I need your grace. What is he doing? Crying out to God with vehement cries and tears. You know what that is? That is sacrifice. And who are those people who can make such sacrifices? People who have a broken and a contrite spirit. 
And look at what it says. Who was able to save him from death? And he was heard because of his what? Godly fear. So, so, so many of us are pray, of our prayers are not heard because of this. this. We don't have this kind of an attitude. You see that? Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. That's remarkable. I mean, it's amazing. How can God, who is all wisdom, all knowledge, the word who became flesh, what does he do? What, what, is, what is he supposed to do? He has to learn obedience through the things that he suffered. Amazing, isn't it? On the contrary, look at the other man. Luke's Gospel chapter 18. The Pharisee stood and praised thus to himself. And then, and the tax collector standing afar off. You know what that means? He in, he in his heart knows that he has no standing before God. He cannot approach God. And how can I approach God unless and until you make it possible for me to approach you? would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breasts and said, God be merciful to me, a sinner. See that? Who went, how many men went to pray? Two men. Every church service, there are two kinds of people are coming. The Pharisee (laughs) and the tax collector. I'm talking about the attitude. I'm not talking about lifestyle. You cannot have the lifestyle of tax collector and say, Lord, be merciful. I mean, you are continuing that lifestyle. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about tax collectors who have been cleansed. I'm talking about that kind of an attitude. I tell you, this man went down to his house, justified. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. So this is a sacrifice. This is a sacrifice that is acceptable to God. What keeps us out from heaven? Right, we heard that last time, right? The first sacrifice, therefore, a sacrifice of repentance, humbling ourselves before God, not trusting in our own righteousness. Every day when we approach God, Lord, I do not come to you based upon my righteousness, but based upon only the righteousness of your Son. Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress, helpless look to thee for grace, fall out to the uh, foul I to thy fountain fly, wash me, Saviour, or I die. So that is that is the sacrifice he's talking about. Genesis chapter four, we'll look at an, uh, a, a classic example of this that happened in real life. This is only a parable, and this is a real life story. Genesis chapter four. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of ground. You know what the word Abel means? Nothing. That's what it means. Abel means I'm nothing. You know what the word Cain means? I possess. That's what Cain means. <laughs> Isn't it interesting? Now what does, what does Cain do? He becomes the tiller of the ground. And what does Abel do? He becomes the keeper of sheep. Look at the professions that he is choosing. He's choosing. One chooses a profession where God has pronounced a what? A curse. And now he goes and chooses a profession. What does he do? Whatever he does, he earns that living. I'm not saying that we should not work in the fields. This is not the point over here. So there's a broader spiritual significance here. But Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. So, again, two men went to, yeah, exactly. Who was the first one? 
Pharisee. And the other one, tax collector. Who's the tax collector over here? Abel. And the other one is? Okay. And what, is, what, what does the Bible say? God looked at Cain and his offering. And God looked at, looked at Abel and his offering. He had respect for Abel's offering, but he did not have respect for Cain's offering. Why? Because the attitude. And what is the attitude? A broken and a contrite spirit. That's the only way. That's the reason why if you look at the entire narrative in the book of Hebrews about the about the heroes of faith, it starts with Abel. And it says, by faith, Abel offered a what? A more excellent sacrifice than his brother Cain. And by that sacrifice, he got a testimony from God that he was what? Righteous. So it is impossible to walk with God unless and until you come to God in repentance and faith. It is impossible. First sacrifice, therefore, contrition, humility, repentance. A heart which is broken before God. So Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of his fat, and the Lord respected Abel and his offering. So this is the first thing you need to understand. First offering that God desires from each one of us is the offering of repentance and faith towards God. Second one. Let's look at the second offering. This is Mark's Gospel, chapter 12. <clears throat> Jesus answered him. Somebody asked him the greatest commandment. The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is what? One. In other words, he is the first. He will never accept. Not second. Alongside of him, he doesn't accept anybody else. Second, second Kings, chapter 17, verse 33. You know that verse very well? What does it say? Second Kings chapter 17 verse 33. They worshipped the Lord, but they also served their own gods. That's exactly what many people <laughs> do. They worship God, they also serve their own gods. In other words, for them, hero Israel, the Lord your God, God is there. Alongside God, there are so many other things. He says there is only one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. This is the first commandment. The second like, uh, second like it is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. Look at the answer. I like the answer. The, the focus should be on the answer, okay? So the scribe said to him, well said teacher, you have spoken the truth. There is one God only. Understand that. That means I cannot have any other God in my life. There is no other but He. Okay. Not food. I mean, sorry, not, 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 not money, not education, not career, whatever it is. No other God but one. One God in three persons, of course. You are not like Muslims who will say there is only one, no, no God but Allah. We are not talking about that. We are talking about one God. Of course, in three persons. And to love him with all of his, all of the heart, with all of the understanding, and I like that, look at what he added. With all of the heart, and with all of your understanding, that is the reason why we, we ask the prayer, right? God, Spirit, give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that I may understand. Okay. With all understanding, to love him with all of the heart, with all the understanding, and with all your what? So I like that. Many translations, including the Telugu Bible, have have removed this. And what is soul? 
your life. He who loves his life will lose it. He who loses his soul, that word for soul is life and soul is interchangeable. He who loses his soul for my sake will find it, for the kingdom of God's sake will find it. So with all your soul and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than what? All the burnt offerings and sacrifices. And therefore, what is the sacrifice over here that God accepts? Supreme love towards him. That's it. Nothing else. So what is the goal of our instruction? What is the goal of all teaching? The goal of our instruction is this. So that you will what? Love out of a pure heart, from a sincere conscience and unfeigned faith. This is the, this is the goal of our all teaching. That you will love God and love is a sacrifice. We'll come to that. And you know what Jesus says? The next verse. Now when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said, you are not far from what? So, who are there in the kingdom? We already understood right now. Who are, who is there in the kingdom? Is the kingdom of what? Kingdom, kingdom. Or what do priests, priests do? They offer sacrifices. And what is the sacrifice that, you're, that he is asking us to do, uh, offer right now? The sacrifice of absolute love for God. That's it. This is love. And how does this love come? This is not an emotion. It's a decision. Most of the times, it's always a decision. Not most of the times, it's always a de- Love is always a decision. Okay. Luke's Gospel chapter 7. Look at this. How do we get, how does God give this kind of love to us? Luke's Gospel chapter 7. We know this verse very well. Again, you have two kinds of people. Again, two kinds, always two kinds. One is Pharisee. Now this time, it is not a Pharisee. This name is Pharisee is given. The name of the Pharisee is Simon, the Pharisee. Okay. And the other person is the woman in the city who was a sinner. I, I like that. I, I, I like that. Who committed sins, God. The woman in the city who knows that she is a sinner. What did she do? Remember when, when, Simon, when Jesus was eating in Pharisees, so she came and she broke the alabaster flask of oil, etc. and wiped his hand, all that, all that stuff. Look at what it says in, and Jesus gave him a parable. Luke's Gospel chapter 7. And he said to him, you have rightly judged Simon. Then he turned to the woman and said, Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. But she washed my feet with tears and wiped them with her hair. In other words, she laid her glory on my feet. Then you gave me no kiss. But this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time she came. First, you gave me no water to my feet. That means you did not cleanse my feet. But she cleansed my feet. Then you did not give me any kiss. She kissed my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil. But this woman has anointed my feet. Where is the focus over here? Where is that? At the feet. Therefore I say to you, her sins which are many are forgiven because she loved much. So who is accepted now? The sinner is accepted. And who is rejected? The Pharisee is rejected. And what is the sacrifice? The sacrifice of what? Love. And what is this love in response to? It is in response to the incredible mercy that God has shown us on the cross. Again, it's on the cross. It's on the cross. It is on the cross that we, when we, when we lose sight of the cross, my dear brothers and sisters, we just lose sight of our walk with the Lord. Understand this. Therefore, I say to you, her sins which are many are forgiven for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same 
loves little and what does she say to him? what does he say to him then he said to her your sins are forgiven go you see love and by the way love is a sacrifice i'll show you how does how does love look like we know this very well go first first corinthians chapter 13 verse 3 and though i bestow all my goods to feed the poor and though though i give my body to be burned if i have no love what am i am nothing what are you doing over here lot of sacrifices but there's no love nothing then then goes on love suffers long in suffering long what is there sacrifice love is kind what is there sacrifice, <laughs> sacrifice. Hmm? love does not envy what is envy you do not not only that you 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 are you are, you look you can't tolerate somebody else getting blessed not only that you actually <laughs> by the way envy is one of the one of those sins which not many of us confess because it's 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 like a it's 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 uh, it says it's rottenness to the bones it says in the book of proverbs telugu is very interesting yemukaliki kullu proverbs it's it's rottenness to the bones and it says love does not envy meaning on the contrary that you are rejoicing that the other person is more blessed than you remarkable isn't it that is envy what does it involve involve therefore sacrifice love does not parade itself what does it involve sacrifice that means it does not want anybody to know what it's doing what does it involve incredible sacrifice it does not get proud puffed up what does it involve sacrifice does not behave rudely <laughs> what does it involve sacrifice does not seek its own what does it involve sacrifice it is not easily provoked what does it involve sacrifice thinks no evil what does it involve sacrifice and then goes on does not rejoice in iniquity what does it involve sacrifice but rejoices in truth bears all things believes all things hopes all things endures all things what is this the sac you see in all these things this is love if you have to get the definition i mean it's not a definition of love this is the outworking of of love in a in a person and a person who is born of god and who gives this love it says the love of god is shed abroad in our hearts through the holy spirit understand this and how is it shed abroad in our hearts when we rejoice in tribulations because tribulations works patience patience works proven character and proven character produces hope and this hope does not disappoint because the love of god is shed abroad in our hearts through the holy spirit it, it is a sacrifice okay understand this so first thing what is the first sacrifice that god accepts a sacrifice of repentance with a contrite and a humble spirit second a sacrifice when we respond in love third hebrews chapter 10 verse 8 previously saying sacrifices and offerings burnt offerings and offerings for sin you do not desire nor had pleasure in them which are offered according to the law then he said behold i have come to do your will o god okay this is that we will we will we'll, uh, we'll look at the previous verse verse 5 
Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you do not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices, since you have no pleasure. But I said, Behold, I have come in the volume of the book that is written of me to do your will, O God. Now, how do you do this will? We'll come to that. I delight. This is actually uh, Psalm Psalm 40. Sorry, I didn't uh, didn't change this. Let me just change it. Psalm 40. Uh, I'll just change the slides. <clears throat> this is slide number 28, bro. So sacrifice and offerings you do not desire. And what did you do? You opened my ears. Burnt offering and sin offering you do not desire, require. Then I, then I said, behold, I have come in the scroll of the book that is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is within my heart. So, what is the sacrifice over here? The sacrifice of doing God's will. And how do you do God's will? First, by knowing God's will. And how do you do His will? You delight in doing His will. And when you do, when you delight in doing doing His will, it is basically a sacrifice. And how is it happening? Because your law is where? It is in my heart. And how did the law come into his heart? Because you have opened my ears. Yeah. Understand this. Yesterday pastor was talking about something very interesting. He said, when Stephen was talking to the Sanhedrin, he says, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised where? In heart and in ears. Yeah. Our problem is that we have uncircumcised ears. The Bible says, God will circumcise our heart. What does the Bible say? In Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 6, He says, the Lord will circumcise your heart. Right? But what are, who who's supposed to circumcise your ears? We are supposed to circumcise our ears. You know what circumcision of the ear means? If I have to t- give you a picture. See, because you are talking about, first is, Repentance. Second is love. And third is what? To do his will. You know who does his will? Remember in, in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 15, you'll see that the bond servant comes to his master and he says, Master, thank you so much for loving me. You are asking me to go. You have set me free. But I love you so much. I want to be your bond servant for life. So what does the master do? He takes his ear and he pierces his all. What is it? What is it called? Circumcised ears. What does circumcised mean? Separated to hear and listen to the voice of God and God alone. That is the reason why it says in Isaiah chapter fifty: "Morning by morning you waken me, to waken my and you open my ears to hear." And the Lord has given me the tongue of the disciple so that I can speak a word to those people who are weary in season. And how did he get a disciplined tongue? Because he had a disciplined ear. You see, how you hear determines how you see. The voices that you listen to will determine the choices that you make. The voices that you listen to will determine the thoughts that you have. What you ent- what allow uh, what you allow your uh, to enter into your ears will frame your thinking. I remember, no? Lo- so many years back, we didn't, I, there used to be a program which, which, which used to come in All India Radio. 
called uh, in Telugu Balavinodam. I don't know if you, if you have heard that. No, it used to come at uh, two o'clock in the afternoon on Sundays for about half an hour. It is a, it is a it is a program not on television. It's on radio. And my my parents were very tough. They had television at home, but no Star TV, no no cable connection. Very clear about it. Okay. So, but when we used to do all kinds of jugad to get the te- uh, cable connection into our house and steal cable connections from here and there, all that all those things we did. But my parents were very clear. Only Durdarshan. How many? How long will you say, see Durdarshan on Sunday? It is even more boring. Hmm? But so, but the thing that though is on on Sundays there used to be a program called Balavinodan, and in that program they used to narrate stories. And I'm not even listening to, I'm not watching a story, I'm listening to the story. And when I'm listening to the story, I listen to the dialogue and I'm, I'm imagining the entire story in front of my eyes. And I used to look forward to that half an hour because they used to, they used to have the entire episode in three or four parts and just to listen to the story and it was so interestingly narrated. Just to frame my thinking. Now I realize, you know what? What actually I saw was what I actually heard. This is is important. What goes into your ears will determine how you see. You go to exactly what Eve did, right? She heard the voice from Satan and she looked at the fruit. And everything changed after that. You... Hear that Sodom is the most prosperous nation in the whole world. And you look at it, how does it look like? It looks like Egypt. And it also looks like the garden of God. Looks like Egypt. And also looks like the garden of God. And it says, it was before Sodom was destroyed by God. And the people of Sodom were an abomination in the sight of God. They were doing things which are an abomination in the sight of God. That's how you see. Why? Because you allow those voices to frame your thinking. So in order to do the will of God, first your mind has to be framed to understand the will of God. Your mind has to be framed to understand the will of God. And where is the will of God revealed? It is in the scroll. That is the reason why faith comes by not reading the Bible. But even when you read, here. And when you start hearing, you start thinking. It is faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. So he offered his ears. Look at what it says. Sacrifice and burnt offerings for sin you did not, uh, you did not desire. My ears you have opened. And one of the prayers that we have to constantly pray, Lord, Open my ears because what the body of the Bible say in Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Lord is telling to the churches. Now tell, let me tell you something. The Lord only speaks to the churches. So you, are, you should be a part of the church basically to understand that. Okay. To clear, to clearly understand the purposes of God for your life. So ears you have opened because the what, what, what you hear is how you think. So in order to understand the will of God, if to do the will of God, what are you supposed to do? You have to have a mind which will understand the will of God. But before you have a mind which will understand the will of God, something else you have to do. Romans chapter 12. I beseech you therefore, brothers, 
by the mercies of God. What should you do? Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. That is the sacrifice that God delights in. First, first one we looked at. What is the first sacrifice? The sacrifice of repentance and contrition. Second sacrifice, the sacrifice of love. Third one, your own bodies on the altar as a living sacrifice. And what is it? It is holy, acceptable to God. This is your reasonable act of worship. Can you put it in the NIV, Sammy? Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I like that in, uh, in, in NIV. It's very, very interesting in the NIV. Look at how, it, how he uh, defines this. Chapter 12, verse 1, Sammy. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do you see that? That is what it's talking about. A spiritual act of worship. It is the sacrifice of God, our offering our bodies to do the will of God. And how does he do it? How do we, how do, we do the will of God? First of all, we offer our bodies. Second thing, and do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of a man. So basically, he's talking about two things. In order to understand the will of God, first of all, you should have a mind which will understand the will of God. In order to have a mind to understand the will of God, you should first of all give your body, in the body includes the most important sense in your body, is what? You're here. Otherwise, it is impossible to have a mind which will grasp and comprehend the will of God for your lives. So do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And this is very important. It is just not once it keeps on happening until you come to the point where you prove what? The perfect will of God. First of all, the will of God is acceptable. It is good. It is acceptable. And then it becomes the perfect will of God. Okay. So this is important transformed mind that's exactly what the priest did you know how, how they how they came to the to the uh, to the most holy place sorry before they go to the most holy place on most holy place nobody had access except the high priest once a year first of all they go to the altar and what do they do in the altar they offer a sacrifice okay. so that they are reconciled to god then they go to the bronze laver they wash themselves they wash their feet. That means what? They're washing themselves for all the patterns of this world that they have brought from outside. Because they have turned their backs to the east. They have come into the, into the, into the tabernacle. They have, they have been reconciled to God, but still their minds are still not ready. So what, what, is, what, is, what does God do? Wash yourself with all the filth and all the thoughts and the ideas that, you, that have come from the world. So he washes them. And then what should you do next? Then you enter through the first veil. And what do you have there? You have the shoe bread, and then you have the lampstand, and then you have the altar of incense. And what is shoe bread? On the on the on the shoe bread, you have twelve loaves of bread, six by six, six and six. What does that mean? Will which has been crushed, will which has been crushed and baked nicely and kept. Second is a lampstand where oil is continuously poured and it is burning. It is the illuminated mind. So first you surrender your will, you offer your body and then you have a transformed mind. This is how it works. Every day of our lives. And you look at this. When you look, when you are in the outer courts, outer courts is huge. 
Many people come to the outer courts. And that's the reason we sing that song. Take me past the outer courts where? Into the holy place. Past the brazen altar. I, Lord, I want to see your face. Okay, fine. Where do, where, where do you see the face of God? Only in the mercy seat. Right? But how do you go there? There's a process. And if, if you see the whole thing, if the moment you enter into the holy place, the external light is gone. gone. There's only one light in the holy place. What is that? The light which is coming from the lampstand. And in order to protect the light, what do we have? You have a covering. Right? Four layers of covering is there. <coughs> outer place, there's, outer courts, there's no covering. And what does covering signify? A man who's under authority. You see, all these are sacrifices. So if, if you want to have an illuminated, illuminated mind, you should come and say, Lord, I, I will to do my will. That's what the Bible says in John's Gospel, chapter 7, verse 17. If any man wills to do his will, then he will know. First of all, I surrender myself. That is what the table of shoebread uh, signifies. And what does it mean? It is a bread of his presence. The bread of God's presence. Meaning, your life is continually before God. Before his face. God has two faces. He has multiple faces, but I'm talking about, because the word for presence is panaim, which means the two faces of God. The goodness of God and the severity of God. So he understands this. God is good, but God is also severe. God is a God who loves, but God is a God who also disciplines. We love the love of God, but we don't like the despise, we despise the discipline of God. And you know what the Bible says in Psalm 119? Before I was afflicted, I went astray. <laughs> like that. But now I know your commandments. And now I says, thank you Lord that you have afflicted me. Thank you, Lord, that you have afflicted me so that I can understand your ways. See, all of us, we nicely go astray unless and until God gives us discipline. You have to go through the process of being disciplined. It's impossible otherwise. So because God loves those, I mean, disciplines those whom he loves, just as a father, the son in whom he delights. So if you're not being disciplined by God, what kind of a son are you? Illegitimate son. And you know what what, what Telgut says? What, Durbijulu. You know what Durbijulu means? You are of the wrong seed. <laughs> it's a remarkable word actually. If you even think about it. <laughs> so he says, first thing you offer yourself, meaning what? Lord, I come here. I surrender myself, Lord. I come completely give myself to you. Do as you will. And once you do that, it says, if any man wills to do his will, he will know, he will understand. That Then comes the illuminated mind. After the illuminated mind, what do you have? You have the altar of incense. What is it? It's right before, at the corner, in the border of the holy place and the most holy place. And what happens now? You have prayers. Now, what, what, how are you praying? You're praying according to the will of God. And you know, we know, we know what the Bible says in John's Gospel, one John chapter five says, "If you ask anything according to His will, we have the confidence that we receive whatever we ask." And how do we get this confidence? Because we surrender ourselves first. And second one, what do we have? We have a transformed man. Let me tell you something: to get a transformed mind is a sacrifice. It does, does not and will not happen in one day. It's over a period of time. Constantly doing those things over and over and over again. 
So first thing we looked at, what is the first sacrifice? Sacrifice of contrition and repentance. Second sacrifice, the sacrifice of love, supreme love. Third sacrifice, sacrifice of what? Of our bodies to do his will. After this comes, once you do his will, once you know his will, what are you supposed to do? You know his will now. Exactly. First Samuel chapter 15 verse 23. Verse 22 onwards. So Samuel said, Has the Lord great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying? You see that now? You understood, you, 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 uh, you reconciled yourself to God through repentance. Second, you said, Lord, I love you with all of my heart. Thank you. This is an expression of my love. Third one, you offered your bodies as a living sacrifice. You understood his will. Now what are you supposed to do? The fourth thing, you ought to obey. You know what obedience is? It's a sacrifice. How did Jesus learn obedience? Through the things had he suffered? It's a sacrifice. So whom do you obey? See, let me tell you, no? Obedience starts in the home. Children, listen carefully. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. You will never be blessed in your life if you are a person who has dishonored your parents and you have never been disobedient to parents. Your correct relationship with your parents determines the blessings that you will enjoy in this life. I'm not talking about when you grow old and then when you are on your own and uh, when when you have your own responsibility. I'm not talking about that. that at that time, you are to honor. But as long as you are in your parents' home, it is incumbent upon you to be obedient. Wherever you are. That's exactly what Jesus did. He went down to Nazareth and made himself subject to them. I love that verse. Every time I think about it. The creator of the universe, as the children. Who created Mary and Joseph? Jesus. Okay. Who submitted to Mary and Joseph? Jesus. What a, what is, what, I mean, that's exactly what, what, what it means. It means this, no? He, he says, I have exalted my word above my name, meaning the word of God is forever established in heaven. This is the law of God, and even God is subject to his own law. He will never go outside his law. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 17. Everybody read this. How does it start? Obey. Obey. Start with obey. Spiritual leaders and all we'll forget later. We'll talk about that later. Oh, my parents are not very spiritual. (laughs) Really. (laughs) Actually, they may not be very spiritual, but many times they are more wise than you. They will give you the correct kind of things. uh, Advice. They know you very well. Even after you got saved. They know you. My my, my mom used to say, no? I know exactly what you are. You don't try, you try, try to fool me. <laughs> I remember one of those days, uh, I got, um, after my MSAT, I got a rank and I was like, I want to go out, out of Hyderabad. I want to go away from Hyderabad and I want to study in some other place. Then I was thinking, I got uh, RIC Varangal um, those days. RIC Varangal was there and so many, so many other RICs. My mother said, no. RIC mama, no. What about Gitam College? No. I know what you'll do when you go to Gitam College. I know very well. 
you are going to be under my roof and study here <laughs> nowhere else <laughs> and and she was absolutely that spot on <laughs> under my roof you are not going to go anywhere no i want to become a doctor i know i know <laughs> i know you see if she, they, parents somehow have an intuition you can't fool them obey your spiritual leaders that's exactly what samuel did you know the word for obey in greek i mean sorry not not in greek hebrew hebrew is shama obey means shama which also is to hear hear and obey have the same word, have the same word and what does samuel mean shama el the one who hears and the one who obeys we have samuel over here a classic example of samuel the one who hears and one who obeys <laughs> i mean true to his name and the first voice he heard was the voice of Eli. first voice of course his voice was hana and it says hana weaned them off first and submitted or surrendered him to the temple and offered him into the temple isn't it interesting what the bible says whom shall i teach doctrine anybody any idea those people who have been weaned from the breasts because the word of god is what here a little there a little a line upon line precept upon precept here a little there a little and who can understand the precepts only those people who have been weaned how how was he weaned first of all his mother taught him at his home how to obey how to submit how to obey second when he went to the temple the same discipline he went and she said you know what there are so many scoundrels and rascals over here but one person you have to obey only the priest don't follow the bad example can you imagine this guy how deep his convictions were at that age that he is not going to be influenced by the hophni and the phineases in the temple It's amazing because it's become a part of him because obedience is a sacrifice. You know what? See, practice is a sacrifice. After that, it becomes second nature. It come, it's, it's 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 second nature. After a while, you are automatically doing it because we are all people of habit. I told you, no, we are all people of habit. You are <laughs> you are trapped by your own habits. it's a sac- it's a sacrifice and this man this boy right from his childhood he has been taught to obey his parents and when he goes to the temple he says i will not follow fleshly leaders what will i follow spiritual leaders eli is a type of the spiritual leader hophni and phineas compromise leader and he knows whom to hear do you know whom to hear do you have the discernment who is of the flesh and who is of the spirit because i'm i'm not talking about people i chose this uh, translation deliberately because uh, you know obey your leaders is a very generic term obey spiritual leaders that is the reason why paul tells timothy you have followed carefully my doctrine my way of life my faith the persecutions that i endured all the days of my life you saw the kind of life that i lived and the doctrine that i followed and you followed me Okay, obey your spiritual leaders. So it is incumbent upon you to listen to spiritual leaders. And what do spiritual leaders do? Most of the time, they confront. And so, what should you have? What kind of an attitude you should have? Humility and not get 
offended. Everybody knows you're all full doctrinally correct now. The point is, you say, I will not get offended, but the only thing that you'll do is get offended. <laughs> you'll get offended. And if you get somebody corrects you, a little, you can't take it, isn't it? Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. See, your obedience is not complete unless you do <laughs> understand this. Their work is to watch over your souls. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. Okay, through whom? The Lord is my shepherd. I don't need any shepherd. No, 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 no. He says, I will give you pastors and shepherds after my own heart who will teach you wisdom and knowledge. So if you cannot follow the shepherd whom you can see, oh, I will follow the shepherd whom I can't see. What kind of an extrapolation is that? Huh? Understand that. So their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy. In other words, pastor should feel, you know, to serve my church is joy. It should be an exciting thing. He looks at the congregation. Remember the a joke of this mother who woke up his son in the morning. Son, son, get up. It's time for you to go to church. Son said, Ma, I'm not going to church. Come on, come on, come on. Don't say, give me all those excuses. It's time to go to church. Ma, give me one reason why why I should go to the church. She says, I'll give you two at least. Actually, three. First of all, you're 40 years old. Actually, before he says, I don't want to go to church. He says, those people don't like me. I don't like them. Okay, he says, first of all, you're 40 years old. Secondly, he says, you're the pastor of the church. (laughs) You're the pastor of the church. (laughs) I mean, I I was thinking about it, no? (laughs) Early in the morning, our pastor wakes up. Just imagine. Okay, if I, have to, I don't know how a pastor gets uh, uh, addressed by God. If I'm just imagining, okay, this is all sanctified imagination, okay. Pastor Santos James, please wake up. <laughs> Lord, I don't want to wake up. <laughs> they don't like me. I don't like them. Think about it. <laughs> so think about it, no? <laughs> they will not listen to me. How many hours, How many times ever, ever I say they do the same thing over and, over and again. And whenever they come to the council, it's the same problem over and over again. Please, Lord. <laughs> Think about that. Same problem over and over again. Give them no reason reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for our benefit. And people actually, you know what? Everybody looks for your own benefit, right? If you want to be really selfish, obey your pastor. (laughs) Simple. (laughs) Understand it. Understand this. That is the reason why it says in First Peter chapter 5, Likewise, you younger people, what should you do? Submit yourself to your elders. Mm-hmm. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. Actually, in Telugu, it's very interesting. Decorate yourself with humility. 
దీన వస్త్రాలు ధరించుకొని మిమ్మల్ని మీరు అలంకరించుకోండి స్టేట్మెంట్ తెలుగు వెరీ రొమాంటిక్ లాంగ్వేజ్ ఓకే బ్యూటిఫుల్ లాంగ్వేజ్ డెకరేట్ యువర్ సెల్ఫ్ సో దట్ యు ఆర్ అట్రాక్టెడ్ టు అట్రాక్టివ్ టు గాడ్ దట్ ఇస్ రీజన్ వైట్ సేస్ ఐ లుక్ ఫార్ వాట్ స్పిరిట్ ఆఫ్ మీక్ జెంటిల్ అండ్ అక్వైర్డ్ స్పిరిట్ so god resists the proud but gives grace to the humble therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of god that he may exalt you in due time this is this is obedience obedience is a sacrifice and if you do not obey the rulers whom god has placed over your life don't ever expect to obey god obey, obey, uh, expect to be obedient to the call of god you will not that is the reason why god gives us a family so what should you specifically obey and what are the benefits of obedience what should you specifically obey and what are the benefits of this obedience romans chapter 6 will talk about that do you not know that to whom you are, you, you present yourselves slaves to what obey you are that one slaves whom you obey whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness if you are a slave see slaves you are by default but who slave is your choice sin or sin or obedience <laughs> okay. sin leads to death obedience leads leads to righteousness how many of us want the blessings of god raise our hands okay if, if you are watching online okay great is god righteous is god holy will a righteous god and a holy god best of his blessings and riches upon the unrighteous can we expect the blessings of god if you are unrighteous can we expect god to be for us if you are unrighteous who are you who are who's who are you for god? joshua as the the angel of the lord hmm. neither are you for us are you against us it is your it is incumbent upon you to make the choice or of obedience leading to righteousness and then he says what sh- what are you supposed to obey but th- god be thanked that though you were slaves of sin you obeyed from where from your heart you see let me tell you something obedience has to start from here if it is not from here it you cannot manufacture it it has to be your, your nature see the original dna that we had from adam what kind of a dna was that disobedient as one man's disobedience all were made sinners so through one man's obedience many will be made righteous so adamic genes is what the genes of disobedience what can you do to this fellow can you discipline him into obedience no can you correct him into obedience no he will easily get offended and the problem is he is getting corrupt day by day in fact the more you correct him the more dis- dis- disobedient he will become the more you try to put him under the law the more rebellious he becomes remember that that story of the guy who, who was a rebellious son in Deuteronomy chapter 21 the more you try to discipline him this guy is a drunkard and a, and a glutton how many ever times i discipline him he will never change so what is the solution to that guy stone him that's a rebel so what should you do you became obedient from the heart this is our new nature you know the new nature wants to obey that is the reason why the bible says in 1 john chapter 3 the one who is born of god does not sin because his seed remains in him because he is born of god he cannot sin who is that sin who is that fellow 
It's not that Vijay never sinned after he was born again. The person inside of him, the spirit that was birthed inside of him, which was birthed of God, cannot sin, will not sin. He chooses to obey all the time. He wants to obey. Mm-hmm. So how did it happen? How did you, you have to obey from, from the heart? That form of doctrine to which you were, what? Delivered. You see, you see what deliver, to be delivered to means. I have handed you over to Potiphar. What does it mean? Whatever Potiphar says, you will do. That's what it means. I have handed you over to this man. What does it mean? Whatever he asks you to do, you will do. I have handed you over to doctrine. Means what? Whatever the doctrine says, you will do. That's what it means. And how are you doing it? Not under compulsion, but from your heart. That is the reason why love the Lord with what? First, all of your heart. God does not look at the outside, but he looks at the heart. And what does he do? He tests the heart and he knows our intentions. Mm -hmm. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. Look at this. So what are you obeying? You are obeying the form of doctrine. And what is the result of obedience? You are being set free from sin and you become what? Slaves of obedience. What does the Bible say? You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. If the son sets you free, you are free indeed. A son abides in the house forever and a slave does not abide in the house forever. So ultimately what do you become? Your obedience is that of the obedience of the son. So the first first sacrifice is what? Repentance. Second sacrifice, love. Third sacrifice, offering your bodies as a living sacrifice. Fourth, and knowing the will of God, of course. Fourth is, once you know the will of God, obeying the will of God, it also is a sacrifice. How do you do all this? How do you do all this? Grudgingly? With a long face? Rejoice in the Lord always? Means? Always, okay. Give thanks in all situations? Means? Give thanks in all situations. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Pray without. Meaning what? Always. You see, this, that's, what, that's what spiritual perfection means. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all situations. Not with a long face. So, you know, when you're doing all this, not with a long face, how do you do? With a heart of what? thanksgiving and therefore the fifth sacrifice Hebrews chapter 13 verse 15 though though Jesus therefore let us continue um, through Jesus therefore let us continually offer to God what a sacrifice of praise and what is a priest supposed to offer spiritual sacrifices right a sacrifice of praise the fruit of our lips openly professing his name thanks always from your heart, openly professing his name. Okay. Continually. I like that. Continually. Lifestyle of thanksgiving and praise. Okay. So nobody has to force you when you come on Sunday morning to praise God. To worship God. The fruit of our lips that openly profess his name. Hebrews chapter 13. Once you do this, this is a sacrifice, okay? Praise is a sacrifice. This is exactly what Jesus did. Thanksgiving, sacrifice, praise, enter his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Praise is comely for the upright. Praise belongs to those who are of God. Okay. All of us are psalmists, by the way. Okay. And what is it? It's a song. Song is the highest form of literature, art. Okay. Song. 
Fifth sacrifice is what? Sacrifice of praise. And final sacrifice. Okay. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 16. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have with such sacrifices. God is well pleased. I put sharing in the last because all this is important. But sharing is the last. Because a lot of people do share, but they don't have all the others. Repentance is needed. Love is needed. Surrendering to God is needed. Understanding visible is needed. Obedience is needed. And uh, uh, sacrifice of praise is needed. And the last one is what? Do not neglect to share. To do good and to share what you have for such praises. Can you put uh, Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9 please if you don't mind. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 onwards and let me read it from in my Bible and you can follow it in your Bibles. Let us not grow weary while doing good. Hmm? For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Go on, go on, go on, go on. See, um, actually, I think... Uh, God is not mocked. Which which translation? Which, which verse is that? I think verse five. Verse five. Galatians six, verse five onwards, right? Six five five onwards. Six onwards. Five onwards. Ah, yeah. Verse six onwards. Thank you. Galatians verse chapter six, verse six. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him with him who teaches. What is it? Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Oh, look at this next verse. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that exactly what he will reap. Now, can you put Sammy 6 and 7 together? And then we'll look at verse 8. 6 and 7 together. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that's exactly what he will reap. In one context, in what context is he saying? So where should you sow? Yeah, where should you sow? In to the lives of those people who what? Teach the word. So the primary importance, that's exactly what it is in the context. I'm not creating anything out of my out of thin hair. I'm showing you in context. And then he says, verse 8, For if any man sows to the flesh, he will reap, he will reap corruption, but he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap eternal life and let us therefore not grow weary in do, doing good that is one that is the reason why second corinthians chapter 8 verse 9 second corinthians chapter 8 verse 9 yes can you put that up as well second corinthians chapter 8 verse 9 if i'm right yes it's actually it's there uh, one second one second one second one second second corinthians chapter 9 let me show you that verse and then we can stop Okay, let's. It's okay, don't worry, don't worry about it. Okay, it's fine, fine. So, with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Okay, let's move on. Okay, so there, I, I already have that. Second Corinthians chapter 8, verse 5. And not only as we had hoped, but they first, what did they do? They gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. What is that? 
measures. So just don't give indiscriminately. Left, right and center. Know the will of God. And then give. Did you understand? A lot of people just send money left, right and center to every ministry. <laughs> I'm not saying that you should not send money to ministers. No, 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 no. Know the will of God. Enquire the will of God. And then give. Not only as we had hoped for, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. So we urged Titus that we, uh, that as he had begun, so we would also complete this grace in you as well. But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, ah, yes, yes. But as you abound in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us. You see that again? The, con- the context here? See that you abound in this grace also. What is this? This is the grace of giving. The sacrifice. What is it? The sacrifice. You can never give without sacrificing. You can never give without sacrifice. You cannot give without denying yourself. It's impossible. James chapter 2. What does it profit, my brothers? If someone says he has faith but does not have works, can his faith save him? No. If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and be filled. It's like, you know, that, uh, who's my neighbor? Remember the story of the good Samaritan? Samaritan, the guy is on the road. First who comes? The priest comes. He's walking, 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 and he says, praise the Lord, hallelujah, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, hallelujah. And then he looks at that fellow, and he says, thank you very much, praise the Lord, hallelujah, and goes. Same guy, another fellow, is thinking about the what, what the message he has to preach. He also looks and goes, and then comes the Samaritan. It's remarkable, isn't it? Depart in peace, be warmed and be filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the what? Basic things. What does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is what? Dead. What is this? Sacrifice. Was not Abraham, our father, justified by works when he what? Offered. It's a sacrifice. The best for God. How was the church built? Actually, I, I like what Pastor James said yesterday. Those people who are willing to lay down their lives are those people who can be trusted. I, I like that. I think it's true. Only those people who are willing to lay down their lives are those people who can be trusted. Nobody else. Luke's Gospel, chapter 21. And we can stop. And he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he also saw a certain poor widow putting in her two mites. So this tell me, tells me something very powerful. You know what it tells me? I don't have to have much to be a giver. Actually, those people who have a lot are generally not good givers. Now you can put it, no? Second Corinthians chapter 8 verse 1 if I'm right. Yes. Oh yeah, exactly. More of our brothers we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. 
that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of joy and their deep poverty, look at this, abounded in the riches of their liberality. Abundance of joy, just put verse 2, abundance of joy and their great poverty. Joy, poverty. All those people who are poor, are they sad or are they, are they joyful over here? In this case, they are joy. And what, it, what happened as a result? They abounded in the riches of their liberality. How did they give? Liberally. Um, that's exactly what if you go to Sister house. Um, one of the things that you will always see is liberality. Have you ever, have you ever been to her house? It's impossible for her not to be like that. It doesn't matter who comes to her house. Liberality. Sister Elsa ke ghar pohunche ke baad koi bhi khali haath nahi jayega. Liberality. That's what I'm talking about. We have to learn from everybody, right? Power, and look at what it says. Riches of their liberality. And go, go on, bro. Next verse. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Look at this. Please take Paul. And Paul says, hey, you guys don't have anything, Ray. Why are you giving me? Please, Paul, don't stop this blessing into our lives. And those are the seeds, I believe, that they have sown for the prosperity that they enjoy in Europe. The Britishers, they say, are pusillanimous. You know what pusillanimity pusillanim- means? Stingy. We, we inherited that from the Britishers. <laughs> you go to American, everything is broad. Broad roads, broad hearts. Now, of course, changing. Liberal. I mean, my sister-in-law and my brother, they went to Canada and they just went to a church and and they said, we are just immigrants. We just came recently. The entire church came home. They brought everything. The initial supplies, everything. They stocked up. I mean, all the things that they were, uh, they were, they were lying in their house. They gave them mattresses and utensils and everything so that they can settle down. It's the culture that you should you should see in the in, in the West. It's there, the Christian ethos. They just go out of their way to do it. Hmm? Amazing it is. So he said, "Truly, I say to you." Luke's Gospel, chapter two. And he looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury, and he saw also a certain poor widow putting in her two mites. So he said, "Truly, I say to you, that this poor widow has put in more than all in God's eyes. Who put more?" What did she put? She put her life. For all these out of their abundance have put their offerings for God. Let me tell you something. God does not need your tips. That's exactly what tithes are. What are tithes? If you go to US and Canada, whenever you get your, you go to a restaurant and you have your meal, charge for the food and then tip also. You know how much they charge? 10%. What do Christians give? That also very grudgingly. I already gave no. (laughs) 
No, we are not saying that uh, we are on. Oh, we have to give old covenant. We are not talking about old covenant, new covenants. Okay, if you are in the old covenant, old covenant is of the letter. You gave your tithes. In the new covenant is of the spirit. You should give less than ten percent. Does it factor in? You are not talking about more than ten percent. I am not talking about our number. Forget about the number. I am talking about liberality. <laughs> God loves a who? Isn't it interesting? One person for sure God loves. God loves sinners. We like that. <laughs> for God so loved the world. We like that. But God definitely loves. A who? Not a giver. A cheerful giver. She came this mites, this to this widow. You know what she was saying? Lord, I thank you that you gave me this honor and this privilege to give you this two mites. All the others said, Lord, extra is there, take. That's what they did. Out of their abundance they gave to God and this this lady, out of her poverty, her poverty has overflowed into her what? Liberality. And with such sacrifices, God is what? Well pleased. Look at look at the next next verse. Luke's Gospel chapter twenty one. I love this. Then, as some spoke of the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones <laughs> and donations. That's exactly what happens in many building programs. Donate two bricks. Donate cement. Donate roof. Twenty five bricks program. I'm not saying all, all that is wrong. But that doesn't make sense if you do not have people who are actually because the temple of God, the building of God is not a church building. It is you and I who make the building. It is made of living stones to become a spiritual house made of holy priesthood, holy priests who offer about spiritual sacrifices. And what are these spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God? How are they acceptable? Through Jesus Christ. So if you do not know Jesus Christ, and if you have not come to him, all your sacrifice and all your giving is good for nothing. So these things which you see, the days will come in which not one stone shall be left upon the other that shall not be thrown down. Isn't it interesting? God is not looking at a structure. In all these years, are we saying that God should not give us a structure? No, no, no. We are saying that God should give us a campus. Maybe, hopefully, if God wills. But campus is not important. Who's important? People. I, rem- I remember what Pastor James keeps on telling me and Sam and all of us. You know what he says? Pastor, Sam says, Pastor, this, this equipment is good. That, that equipment is good. And you know what Pastor keeps on saying? We, Pastor, Sammy, understand one thing. We don't invest in things. We invest in people. Because the church is not made of things. It is made of living stones. Okay. So obey your teachers. Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 9 now. If you can put it in NIV, it will be great, Sonny. Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 10 verse 9. <laughs> Whoever quarries stones may be injured by them. Whoever splits logs may be endangered by them. Isn't it interesting? <laughs> Who are the stones? We are the stones. In the temple site of Solomon, 
they ha- they heard no sound of tool okay the tool was always in the quarry okay and who was making those stones somebody was making those stones okay god is also making those stones each of us each one of us is making those stones but the point is the stones that he is making were injured oh, sorry the one who was making the stones was injured by the stone himself that's exactly what jesus was he was the living stone who was injured by all of us and he offered himself as a sacrifice so that we can come to him and what is he asking us to become now living stones who will offer him what sacrifices living sacrifices holy and acceptable to god so we'll look at six sacrifices today what are the first one how do we come to god first repentance is a sacrifice second love third bodies to be surrendered and knowing his will four obedience fifth excuse me praise a sacrifice of praise a life of obeying it should not be with a long face but with a heart of gratitude and a last one in sacrificial giving these are the spiritual sacrifices which are acceptable to god that is what the kingdom of priests look like how do how do they look like a kingdom of priests which offer up spiritual sacrifices last one of course i didn't give you i like to give seven is priests who overcome sin and were ruthless with sin in their own lives who were ruthless with sin in their own lives like who like phineas <laughs> like phineas ruthless with sin in their own lives they love god more than anybody else and the praise and the approval of men let's pray this morning <clears throat> father we just want to thank you father once again this morning you've called us to be a royal priesthood enable us lord to truly lord live out what you've called us to be already in you to that and i pray that you bless us that you would lord circumcise our hearts even as as we surrender our ears to you o lord even as we circumcise our ears you circumcise our hearts enable us not to be stiff necked enable us to walk with you in love all the days of our lives thank you father come it is entire day in your hands watch over us through this day in our goings out and our comings in for in jesus precious name we pray amen amen god bless you all have a blessed day